Hello, and welcome to The Essential Reads. My name is Isaac, and my goal is to bring to you a bunch of classic audiobooks in an easy and accessible way. We're continuing with Huckleberry, Thi- Huckleberry Finn, not Huckleberry Thin, though he was probably quite skinny because of the lack of food at that time. But we're continuing with Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. And, um, yeah, the next couple of chapters are pretty fun, so let's dive in. The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn was written in a time when terrible slurs and actions were used to oppress the African-American people. These words and actions still cause harm today, and I, Isaac, would never wish to do so to any of these people. Any racial slurs that occur in this book shall be bleeped to avoid causing offence, and to guarantee that I can get paid for making these videos. I do, however, believe that you cannot censor the past, and that by trying to censor books, you are trying to pretend that the actions of our ancestors didn't happen. And for this reason, the book shall be remaining unchanged apart from these little bleeps. If you still find this triggering or offensive, then please check out another book. Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain Chapter 6 Well, pretty soon the old man was up and around again, and then he went for Judge Thatcher in the courts to make him give up that money. And he went for me, too, for not stopping school. He catched me a couple times thrashed me, but I went to school just the same, and dodged him or outrun him most of the times. I didn't want to go to school much before, but I reckon I'd go now to spite Pat. That law trial was slow business. Appeared like they weren't ever going to get started on it, so every now and then I'd borrow two or three dollars from the judge for him to keep from getting a cow hiding. Every time he got money, he got drunk, and every time he got drunk, he raised cane round town, and every time he raised cane, he got jailed. He was just suited. This kind of thing was right in his line. He got to hanging around the widows too much, and so she told him at last that if he didn't quit using around there, she would make trouble for him. Well, wasn't he mad? He said he would show who was Huck Finn's boss. So he washed out for me one day in the spring and cashed me and took me up the river about three mile in a skiff, crossed the line over at Illinois shore where it was woody, and there weren't no houses but an old log hut and a place where the timber was so thick you couldn't find it if you didn't know where it was. He kept me with him all the time. I never got a chance to run off. We lived in that old cabin, always locked the door, put the key under his head nights. He had a gun which he'd stole, I reckon, and we fished and hunted, and that was what we lived on. Every little while, he locked me in and went down to the store three miles to the ferry and traded fish and game for whiskey and fetched it home and got drunk and had a good time and licked me. The widow, she found out where I was by and by and she sent a man over to try and get hold of me but Pep drove him off with the gun and it weren't long after that till it was used to being where I was and I liked it. All but the cowhide part. It was kind of lazy and jolly Laying off, comfortable, all day, smoking and fishing, and no books, nor study. Two months or more run along, and my clothes got to be all rags and dirt. And I didn't see how I ever got to like it so well at the widow's, where you had to wash, and eat on plate, and comb up, and go to bed, and get up regular, and be forever bothering over a book to have old Miss Watson pecking at you all the time. I didn't want to go back no more. I stopped cussing because the widow didn't like it. But now, I took to it again, because Pap had no objections. It's pretty good times up in the woods there. Take it all round. But by and by, Pap got 
too handy with his hickory, and I couldn't stand it. I was all over welts. He got to going away so much, too, and locking me in. Once he had locked me in, was gone three days. He was dreadful lonesome. I judged he'd got drowned, and I wasn't ever going to get out no more. I was scared. I made up my mind that I would fix some way to leave there. I tried to get out of the cabin many times, but I couldn't find no way. There weren't a window to it big enough for a dog to get through. I couldn't get up the chimney. It was too narrow, and the door was thick, solid oak slabs. Pat was pretty careful not to leave a knife or anything in the cabin when he was away. I reckon I'd hunted the place all over as much as a hundred times. Well, I was most all the time at it, because it was the only way to put in the time. But this time, I found something at last. I found an old, rusty wood saw without any handle. It was laid in between the rafter and the clapboards of the roof. I greased it up and went to work. There was an old horse blanket nailed against the logs at the far end of the cabin behind the table to keep the wind from blowing through the chinks and putting the candle out. I got under the table and raised the blanket and went to work to saw a section of the big bottom log out, big enough to let me through. Well, it was a good long job, but I was getting towards the end of it when I heard Pat's gun in the woods. I got rid of the signs of my work, dropped the blanket, and hit my saw, and pretty soon Pat come in. Pat weren't in a good humor, so he was his natural self. He said he was down to town and everything was going wrong. His lawyer said he reckoned he'd win the lawsuit and get the money if they ever got started on the trial, but then there was ways to put it off a long time, and Judge Thatcher knowed how to do it. And he said people allowed there to be another trial to get me away from him and give me to the widow for my guardian, and they guessed it would win this time. This shook me up considerable, because I didn't want to go back to the widows no more and be so cramped up and civilized, as they call it. Then the old man got to cussing, and cussed everything and everybody he could think of, and then cussed them all over again to make sure he hadn't skipped any. And after that, he polished off with a kind of general cuss all around, including a considerable parcel of people which he didn't know the names of, and so called them what's-his-name when he got to them, and went right along with his cussing. He said he would watch out. If they tried to come any such game on him, he knowed of a place six or seven mile off to stow me in, where they might hunt till they dropped and they couldn't never find me. That made me pretty uneasy again, but only for a minute. I reckon I wouldn't stay on hand till he got that chance. The old man made me go to the skiff and fetch the things he had got. There was a 50-pound sack of cornmeal, and a side of bacon, ammunitions, and a four-gallon jug of whiskey, and an old book and two newspapers for Wadden, besides some tow. I towed it up a load and went back and sat down on the bow of the skiff to rest. I thought it all over, and I reckoned I would walk off with the gun and some lines and take to the woods when I run away. I guess I wouldn't stay in one place, but just tramp right across the country, mostly night times, and hunt and fish to keep alive, and so get so far away that the old man nor the widow couldn't ever find me anymore. I judged I would saw out and leave that night if Pat got drunk enough, and I reckon he would. I got so full of it, I didn't notice how long I was staying till the old man hollered and asked me whether I was asleep or drowned. I got things all up to the cabin, and then it was about dark. While I was cooking supper, the old man took a swig or two and got sort of warmed up and went into ripping again. He had been drunk over in town and laid in the gutter all night and said he was a sight to look at. 
A body would have thought he was Adam. He was just all mud. Whenever his liquor began to work, he most always went for the government. This time, he says, Call this a government? Why, just look at it and see what it's like. Here, the law standing ready to take a man's son from him. A man's own son, which he had had all the trouble and all the anxiety and all the expense of raising. Yes, just as a man has got that son raised at last and ready to go to work and begin to do something for him and give him rest, the law up and goes for him. And they call that government. And that ain't all, nother. The law backs that old Judge Thatcher up and helps him keep me out of my property. Here's what the law does. The law takes a man worth $6,000 upwards and jams him into an old trapper cabin like this and lets him go round in clothes that ain't fit for a hog. And they call that government. A man can't get his rights in government like this. Sometimes I have a mighty notion just to leave the country for good and all. Yes. And I told him so. I told Thatcher so to his face. Lots of them heard me. I can tell what I said. Says I, for two cents, I'd leave this blame country and never come near it again. Them's the very words. I says, look at my hat, if you call it a hat. But the lid raises up and the rest of it goes down till it's below my chin. And then it ain't Riley hat at all. But more like my head was shoved up through a gin of stovepipe. Look at it, says I. Such a hat for me to wear. One of the wealthiest men in this town, if I could get my rights. Oh, yes, this is a wonderful government. Wonderful. Why, looky here. There was a free nick there from Ohio. A mulleter, most as white as a white man. He had the whitest shirt on you ever see, too. And the shiniest hat. And there ain't a man in town that's got as fine a clothes as what he had. And he had a gold watch and chain and a silver-headed cane. The awfulest old grey-headed nabob in the state. And what do you think? They said he was a professor in college and could talk all kinds of languages and knowed everything. And that ain't the worst. They said he could vote when he was at home. Well, that let me out. Thinks I, what is the country coming to? It was election day, and I was just about to go and vote myself, if I weren't too drunk to get there. But when they told me there was a state in this country where they'd let a nick vote, I drawed out. I says I'd never vote again. Them's the very words I said. They all heard me, and all the country may rot for me. I'll never vote again as long as I live. And to see the cool way of that n- Why, he wouldn't give me the road if I hadn't shoved him out of the way. I says to the people, Why, ain't this n- put up at auction and sold? That's what I want to know. And what do you reckon they said? Why, they said he couldn't be sold till he'd been in the state six months. And he hadn't been there that long yet. There now. That's a specimen. They called that a government. They called that a government that can't sell a free net.
until he's been in the state for six months. Here's a government that calls itself a government, and lets on to be a government, and thinks it's a government, and yet got to set stock still for six whole months before it can take a hold of a prowling, thieving, infernal, white-shirted, free ni- And that was going on, so he never noticed where his old timber legs was taking him. And so he went head over heels in the tub of salt pork and barked both shins. And the rest of his speech was all the hottest kind of language. Mostly hove at the n- and the government. Though he'd give the tub some too, all along, here and there. He hopped around the cabin a considerable time, first on one leg, then on the other, holding first one shin, then the other one. And at last, he let out with his left foot all of a sudden and fetched the tub a rattling kick. But it weren't no good judgment because that was the boot that had a couple of his toes leaking out of the front of it. So now he raised a howl that fairly made a body's hair raise, and down he went in the dirt, and rolled there, and held his toes. And the cussing he'd done then laid over anything he had ever done previous. He said his own self afterwards. He'd heard old Soberry Hagen in his best days, and said it laid over him, too. But I reckon that was sort of piling on it. Maybe. After supper, Pap took the jug and said he had enough whiskey in there for two drunks and one delirium tremens. That was always his word. I judged he would be blind drunk in about an hour, and then I would steal the key or sore myself out, one or t'other. He drank and drank, and tumbled down on his blankets by and by, but luck didn't run my way. He didn't go sound asleep, but was uneasy. He groaned and moaned and thrashed around this way and that, for a long time. At last, I got so sleepy I couldn't keep my eyes open, all I could do. And so, before I knowed what I was about, I was sound asleep, and the candle burning. I don't know how long I was asleep, but all of a sudden, there was an awful scream, and I was up. There was Pat, looking wild and skipping around every which way and yelling about snakes. He said they was crawling up his legs, and then would give a jump and a scream, and say one had bit him on the cheek but I couldn't see no snakes. He started and ran around and round the cabin, hollering, Take him off! Take him off! He's biting my neck! i never seen a man look so wild in the eyes. Pretty soon he was all fagged out and fell down, panting. Then he rolled over and over, wonderful fast, kicking things every which way and striking and grabbing at the air with his hands and screaming and saying there was devils a hold of him. He wore out by and by, and laid still a while, moaning. Then he laid stiller, and didn't make a sound. I could hear the owls and wolves away off in the woods, and it seemed terrible still. He was laying over by the corner. By and by, he raised up, part way, and listened with his head to one side. He says very low, Tramp! 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 That's the dead! Tramp! Tramp, tramp, they're coming after me, but I won't go. Oh, they're here. Don't touch me. Don't, hands off. They're cold. Let go. Oh, let a poor devil alone. Then he went down on all fours and crawled off, begging him to let him alone. And he rolled himself up in his blanket and wallowed in under the pine table, still a-begging. And then he went to crying. I could hear him through the blanket. By and by, he rolled out 
and jumped up on his feet, looking wild. And he seized me, and he went for me. He chased me round and round the place with a clasped knife, calling me the angel of death, and said he would kill me, and then I couldn't come for him no more. I begged and told him I was only Hug, but he laughed such a screechy laugh and roared and cussed and kept on chasing me. Once, when I turned short and dodged under his arm, he made a grab and got me by the jacket between my shoulders, and I thought I was gone. But I slid out of the jacket fast as lightning and saved myself. Pretty soon, he was all tired out and dropped down with his back against the door and said he would rest a minute and then kill me. He put his knife under him and said he would sleep and get strong, and then he would see who was who. So he dozed off pretty soon. By and by, I got the old split-bottom chair and clumb up as easy as I could, not to make any noise, and then got down the gun. I slipped the ramrod down it to make sure it was loaded, and then laid it across the turnip barrel, pointing it towards Pipe, and sat down behind it to wait for him to stir. And how slow and still the time did drag along. Thank you so very much for watching. If you enjoyed, please like, comment, share, all that jazz. And if you're listening on podcast, please leave a review. It helps get it in front of as many people as possible. And reading them really makes my day. It's, uh, it's really nice. If you want to support the show in a more meaningful way, you can go to the um, little join button just below next to the subscribe button. Or if you're listening on podcast, you can click in the show notes and it's in there. It just says support the show, I think. And it's just like a little donation thing you can do to me. And that would be fantastic. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'm terrible at um, selling myself. <laughs> that sounds awful. Uh, once again, thank you for listening. And until next time, bye bye